Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expositive story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. So Eve, she stood looking at the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and she's thinking, do I believe Satan? Do I believe this serpent? She doesn't know it's Satan, right? But do I believe the serpent? And the serpent's saying, eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You are missing out. Don't believe God. Don't trust his promises. No, you are missing out. You have got to eat of that fruit. Or do I trust the promises of God? Where God says, I will be everything you need. Just trust in me. So I can imagine she looks at the fruit. It looks so beautiful. And then she looks back at the serpent. And then she's like, I got to know what that is. And so she grabs the fruit and she bites down into it. Oh, oh, this stuff tastes great. This is the best stuff ever. And I can imagine Adam came running in at that moment. And she looks at Adam and says, hey, you've got to try this. This is great. And look, I'm not dead. There's nothing wrong with me. Now, what if at that moment, Adam had said, I can't do this, Eve. God put me in charge. And later on, when God confronts Adam and Eve, he goes to the man first. Adam was in charge. And what if he had said, I can't do this? No. God said, don't eat of that. But you know what? I think he was watching this whole thing a little bit afar off. And when he came and he saw the woman and what she had done, and how the woman said, this is great. You can eat of it. And, and he'd always wondered himself, what does this fruit taste like? He'd always wondered himself, am I missing out? Is God holding back something from me? But what if he had said no? But instead he's like us, you know? His wife says, eat, eat. The serpent's like, yes, you have got to eat. Instead of obeying God, he gives in to peer pressure and he took down his own fruit and he ate that fruit himself. Mmm, and it tasted so good because sin, when you do break God's law, man, I'm telling you, sin is feels great. It can be fantastic. Why? Because sin does bring pleasure. He gave in to peer pressure. And kids, I want to say that's one of our biggest things adults too you know it's hard to go against the grain it's hard to swim back up the ocean everybody's swimming this way everybody's flowing this way in the river and for you to go against the tide and what everybody else is doing is hard and it's difficult 
But kids, sometimes you've got to say no. No matter what your friends are doing, no matter what other people are doing, no matter what other people are saying, if you know it's wrong and if you know it's against what the Bible commands, what God asks of you, then don't do it. But peer pressure is so strong and we give in. If everybody else is doing it, why not? Here, Adam, he was in charge. Instead, he gives in and he eats that fruit and man, it is good. And he looks at himself and he looks at Eve and you're right, we're not dead. And then he looks at Eve again and whoa. He notices something he never noticed before. And Eve, you know, she's laughing, oh, this is great. And then she looks at Adam and whoa. Duh, that Whoa, there is some, whoa, and she looks at Adam, and Adam looks at Eve, and you're naked, it says Eve, and Adam's like, you're naked too, and they're like, ah, I can't have this, whoa, ah, I don't want to see that, and so they go and hide. They're embarrassed for the first time, they realize they've been naked this whole time, and remember, it says the knowledge of good and evil. Now, all of a sudden, the guilt and the shame of sin begins to weigh in on a person's life. For the first time, the guilt and the shame of sin began to weigh in on Adam and Eve, and the innocence was forever taken away. I don't wonder if they saw some of the leaves beginning to change when death entered the world for the first time just like God promised and with that death came shame and embarrassment for breaking God's law and immediately they notice oh we're naked and they go and they hide what's interesting to me the first thing that happens when they sin boom they're separated from each other boom they have to be pulled away from each other before they lived in perfect communion right before they were perfectly matched together. They lived in this perfect companionship and love, but the minute sin entered the scene, sin entered the world, it separated them so fast. And Adam went and hid, and it says he, he began to create his own clothing out of maybe big leaves, and you know, maybe put on some leaves, and ooh, ooh, that feels itchy. Oh, I don't like that. And then he found some nicer leaves. Oh, these are a little small. And then he made, okay, let's get some big palm leaves. And, and Eve, you know, she's sewing away maybe with some sort of thing she made from a thorn and tried to make some dress that covers all of her. And, and finally they come back together and they're like, oh, okay. Look a little bit better there, Eve. You're completely covered. And Eve's like, yeah, hey, nice outfit, Adam. I don't know if I would match that, but you're looking better, you know. Sin. When it comes in the world, it comes in fast, and it destroys fast, and it separates Adam and Eve from their perfect union, separated, hiding. And now instead of just being able to be with each other, now they've got to cover themselves. Now they've got to be embarrassed. All the stuff that God promised would happen, happened. Maybe as they're standing there, no, I don't know if they look over at Satan and he's smiling. Yes, he's got 
his followers. He's got the very people that he wanted. He's got his own little tribe of people that are going to be his followers. And maybe he's doing a little dance there and then they hear it. Adam's like, do you hear that? And, 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 and then Eve's like, yes, I do hear that. No. They hear feet walking. And he's like, is it that time again? And, and Adam's like, yes, it, it's the cool of the evening. No. And so this is when God shows up and Adam goes and hides and Eve goes and hides. See, it says there in Genesis that every evening, Yahweh would come down, and it says in the cool of the evening, would spend time with Adam and Eve. I mean, think about it. They got to spend time with the very God of the universe. They could hear him coming, and I wonder if he took human form. Some people think he might have taken even the form of Jesus. He's walking there. We don't know exactly what that human form he took, but Adam and Eve could relate to Yahweh, and it was a beautiful communion and a beautiful connection, and every evening they spent time together. But now that sin was in the world, they hid. God comes and he calls out, hey, Adam, Adam, where are you? Adam. Adam's hiding, you know, maybe he's hiding under a tree. And Adam, where are you? It says there in verse 8, the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. And he calls out, where are you? Now, the thing is, he's God, right? He knows exactly where Adam is. And he knows exactly what's happening. Maybe he's broken hearted at this point, but he knows where Adam is. And I can imagine God comes over. Again, not exactly certain what he looks like, but I wonder if he looked like a man. He comes over and he pulls a bush back. There's Adam, all curled up under the bush, trying to hide. And he goes to Adam and he says, hey, Adam. Why are you hiding? Why are you avoiding me? Adam says in verse 10, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden, and, and, and I was afraid because I was naked. Ugh. And so I hid. I hid from your presence. I hid myself. It says, God says to him, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which I commanded you not to eat? Did you eat of that tree? Adam looks at God, and Adam, he has a choice. What if at this moment, Adam had said, yes, I did, and I am so sorry. I failed completely. Please forgive me. What if he had confessed his sin? I, I did, and, and, and I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. What if he had done that? Because the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What if Adam had said, I'm sorry, please forgive me? He didn't. Instead, he looks at God and he said, it's, 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 it's not my fault. It's, it's, it's that woman. It's her fault. It's the woman. And then he adds that you gave me. So ultimately, God, it's your fault. It's that woman's fault. But guess what? You gave me that woman. Ultimately, God, it is your fault for giving me that woman who fell into sin and then tricked me into it. It is your fault, God. See, that's interesting, isn't it? When we're faced with sin, we do the same thing as Adam. We shift blame because God then goes to Eve, the woman, and says, Hey, is this true? Did you eat of the fruit of the tree that I told you not to eat? And you know what Eve says? She goes, It's not my fault. It's that serpent. He, he, he cheated me. He's so smart and crafty. He tricked me. It's the serpent's fault. It's not mine. But what if she, when God came to her and said, is this true? What if she had said, yes, it is. And I am sorry. Now it says in Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. What if she had said, I'm sorry, you're right, I failed. I absolutely failed. But again, just like Adam, she didn't admit to her fault. Instead, she's like, it's not my fault. Man, when sin comes into the world, it comes in fast. And it comes right into the heart of man and it exposes his corrupt heart. Both Adam and Eve, they're like, it's not our fault. It's not our fault. It's somebody else's fault. It's somebody else's fault. Aren't we the same way? When God confronts us with our sin, do we admit it and say, I'm sorry, I sinned. Please forgive me. Or when your mom says, hey, I want you to clean up your room. And an hour later, you're messing around with your toys and you haven't cleaned up your room. And your mom says, hey, why have you not cleaned up your room? And your response is, I'm sorry. I should have. I failed. Please forgive me. That's what it should be. But most of us instead, well, well, if, if that's too much work, if you hadn't given me such a big task, that's, that's, it's not fair. It's your fault. It's, it's not mine. Or what if, you know, when you hit your little brother or when you cheat on a task or whenever you do anything you shouldn't do, instead of admitting to your parent, your teacher, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm going to try to do what's right. Instead of doing that, well, it's my brother. If he hadn't picked on me, if he hadn't messed up my level in that video game, I would have finished fine. It's his fault. If my sister wasn't so annoying, it's her fault. And you blame other people. The Bible says if we confess our sins, God is merciful and just and he's willing to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we just confess. But Adam and Eve, man, sin came. 
and they did not confess. They passed blame. And so it says in Genesis 3 that God comes to the serpent. He comes to the serpent. And it says there in Genesis chapter 3 that he looks at the serpent and he says, you know what, serpent? Because you have done this, because you tricked this woman, because the serpent there, you know, with Satan inside of him, leading this, this deceptive charge, he probably thinks, hey, I just won. I just got my people. I just got my followers. Woo, this is great. But God goes to the serpent. It's a serpent because you have done this. Cursed are you. And he throws two curses at the serpent. He says, cursed are you above all livestock, above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go the rest of your life, and the dust of the earth you shall eat. And that's what I'm saying. Maybe the serpent was up on two legs and it was this beautiful creature. But God said to the creature, you are cursed. You thought you were going to reach up into heaven, but guess what? You are going to be so low. You're going to be eating the dirt. I think snakes are cool, right? And I think, you know, if you love snakes, that's fine. Maybe you want to be a herpetologist someday, a person who studies snakes. That's awesome. But you know what? In the middle of that beauty and looking at a snake, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember that curse. I want you to remember why is that snake crawling on the ground? Because of sin. This is what sin did. God cursed that snake because he tricked Eve into sinning and now sins in the world. And when you see that snake, even if you love him, remember, man, sins in the world. That's not good. Then what's really interesting, he curses the snake, but then secondly, he curses the evil spiritual being inside that snake, who we know as Satan. He curses that evil supernatural being he says in verse 15 i will put enmity enmity is a big word for struggle essentially he says i'm gonna put struggle or strife between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring and then he says this to that evil supernatural being he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. See, God cursed the snake, but then he goes to Satan. He says, you know what? You think you've won. You think you've just got your followers. But God said, no. In fact, there is hope. Because if you haven't won, in fact, there's going to be constant struggle between you and the woman, between her offspring and your offspring. Now listen, we're all offspring of Eve. 
Okay, Adam and Eve had children, and they had children, and they had children, and eventually we get to where we are today. So there's this physical offspring, right, that Eve can produce. Satan can't reproduce physically anybody. But you know what God's talking about here? He's talking about a spiritual offspring. And essentially he's saying to Satan, there is going to be a spiritual offspring of the woman there's going to be a spiritual offspring of you, Satan, of sin and evil and death. And there's going to be a constant struggle between those two forces, a constant struggle between good, the offspring of the woman, the spiritual offspring of the woman, and between bad and evil, the spiritual offspring of you, Satan. And guess what? You haven't won. In fact, instead, there's going to be a constant battle. And, and you see it today. Good versus evil. You see good people trying to, to, to bring mercy and peace and wonderful things in this world, but then you see the bad. People trying to pass laws that promote things that are bad. People trying to kill. And there's this constant battle between the spiritual seed of good and the spiritual seed of evil. But then it says, the seed, which is this multiple term, lots of people, but then it goes down to one. Out of this seed, all of a sudden he said, but he, he says, Satan, you are going to bruise the heel of this one person. But he will crush your head. I think that's so interesting. Here in the middle of this fall, in the middle of sin coming into the world and destroying everything, God gives his people hope. This is early proclamation of the gospel. If you want the fancy word for it, it is the proto-evangelium. The gospel all the way back in creation, right there. Out of this spiritual seed of Eve is going to come one person who is going to eventually crush the head of Satan. And you know who that one person is? It's Jesus. Jesus came from this long line of Eve. And if you follow the story from Genesis all the way to the birth of Jesus in the Gospels, you see Jesus came from Abraham and the spiritual line of people who care about pursuing Yahweh. And then Jesus comes. And one Friday afternoon, Jesus died on the cross. And at that moment, Jesus' heel was bruised. And that's what that's referring to. You'll bruise his heel. And I think Satan thought, I won! Woo! Because he can't see the future. But he remembers the past. And he's fought this whole time. And finally this one seed, well, guess what I just did? I killed him on the cross but then three days later Jesus rose from the dead and in rising from the dead and in defeating sin he crushed 
the head of that evil serpent, Satan. You know, it says in this book, in the New Testament, called Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. It says, And you who were dead in your trespasses, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And here's the key. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Jesus, when he died on the cross, but then defeated death and three days later rose again. Guess what? He crushed the head of the serpent. He defeated all these supernatural forces where it says they're rulers and authorities. It's referring to these supernatural powers that Jesus declared victory over. Then later on in Romans chapter 16, Paul writes, he says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The church today is carrying on that winning battle of crushing the head of Satan over and over again. Every time somebody gets saved, every time the church moves forward and grows in love and community, all the way back there in the garden, God said there are two seeds you can be a part of. And kids, I want to encourage you. You have that same choice today. There are two spiritual lines you can be a part of. And God said one of those lines is of the spiritual line of Eve that eventually went to Jesus. And you can be part of that line or you can be part of the spiritual line of Satan and say, I don't want anything to do with Yahweh. I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. I totally reject him. I'm going to pursue self. I'm going to pursue my own pleasure. I'm going to pursue me. I'm going to pursue money and wealth and the things of this world. That's what I want. I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want anything to do with his son, Jesus. But you know, the other choice you have is to pursue his son, Jesus. And you know, if any of this makes sense to you, and you begin to see that, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for me. Because just like Eve, I've sinned. Just like Adam, I've sinned. And that sin sets me on a course to pursue that spiritual line of death. Why would you want that? That's hopeless. But God has given me a lifeline in his son, Jesus. In John 3, 16, that famous verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and that's Jesus. He gave his only begotten son, and here's the key, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Ask yourself this fundamental question. Are you of the seed of Satan and rejecting the things of God? Or does Jesus seem beautiful to you? Does Jesus seem wonderful to you? And the reality of that Jesus died on the cross for that sin 
that separates you from God, just like sin separated Adam and Eve from God. The Bible says all you got to do is ask Jesus to save you, and he promises he will. Romans 10, 9, and 10. You know, if, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And later on it says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you want to be of the spiritual seed of Eve, and ultimately if you want to be of the family of Jesus, and you want to pursue Jesus the rest of your days, just pray and say, Lord, save me. I know my sin's taken me to hell to be with Satan and his minions forever, but I want to be with you. If that's what you want, then pray and ask me to save you and then spend the rest of your days pursuing him. And I'm telling you, he's going to take you on an adventure. You will live a life of joy. Now, I'm not saying there won't be problems. There will, because we have a constant struggle, right? Between good and evil. That constant battle never goes away. Bad things happen to good people, but you know what? Ultimately, we can put our trust in the promises of God. He says, if you follow me, if you put your trust in me, you can spend eternity with me forever. I'm building a mansion. I'm building a, a house right now for you in heaven. And you can be with me and the Father forever. Why would you not want that? I pray today, you, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, that first of all, you ask him to save you. Pursue Jesus the rest of your life. And some of you listening to this, you've said, hey, I've gotten saved. I've done that before. Then I want to encourage you, don't give up following Jesus. Don't give up. There's going to be lots of things that are going to want to pull you away, but don't give up. Put your mind on Jesus and say, I'm going to follow him and trust in his promises the rest of my days. I hope and pray you do that today. Baldhead Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katzian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katzian. Edited by Lincoln Katzian. If you would like to listen to more of Baldhead Bible Podcast, please subscribe. New episodes added every week.